This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Coming up in the second hour, open lines. COVID-19, protests, I'm sure those two topics will surface during hour two. But as always, I'll entertain your UFO sightings, paranormal encounters, perhaps you're, I don't know, you're, you're certain you've created a perpetual motion machine. I would love to take that call. Uh, that's all upcoming in hour two. This hour, documentary filmmaker Ali Siadatan from Think Again Productions is here. Ali has a webinar tomorrow night, Monday, June the 8th, uh, during which he'll address UFOs in the Bible, how the modern-day UFO ET phenomenon squares with Scripture. Uh, This is something he addressed in great detail in his groundbreaking documentary, UFOs, Angels, and Gods, and the follow-up, Goliath Rising, Nephilim, Hybrids, and Titans. Uh, he'll be here in just moments. Carlos Cagina is my technical producer. And Ryan White is my live stream producer. And yes, we are live streaming on YouTube tonight. My YouTube channel is Strange Planet. Uh, and my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. It has been completely overhauled and redesigned. And it is much, much easier to navigate. I think you're going to like it. Please uh, take a moment to visit strangeplanet.ca and while you're there scroll down to the very bottom of the page and click on Inner Sanctum. That's my free monthly newsletter. Click on Inner Sanctum and register your email. That's all it takes and then you'll re- you'll start receiving uh, Inner Sanctum free every month uh, delivered to your email inbox. strangeplanet.ca to register. In uh, 1997, Ali Siadatan had a close UFO sighting uh, late at night on a lonely highway in his native Iran. Uh, This led him to look deeper into the modern-day UFO phenomenon. Ali was traveling from Tehran on an 11-hour auto journey when his stepmother and father began to make unintelligible sounds and point out the window. They observed a huge, round object 
lit up with bright green lights descending nearby. Ali said it hovered at about 500 feet and then suddenly appeared as if it was sucked into the ground by a giant black tube. Uh, This event piqued his interest in certain passages in the Bible that appeared to refer to visits and commingling with man and divine entities. All of the great religions speak of contact with beings who come from elsewhere. Is there a connection between these accounts and the modern-day UFO phenomenon? Can accounts of flying beings from the Bible shed light on the identity of UFOs? Are there mere are they mere observers or part- participants on the world stage? Ali is the founder of Think Again Productions in Canada, a multimedia teaching ministry shedding light on mysteries and treasures of scriptural knowledge, which is making the Bible more real than ever. Ali has found evidence keeps agreeing with the Bible's tale from biblical cities peering through the sand to alien abductions and prophetic events. In 2006, Think Again Productions released the groundbreaking documentary UFOs, Angels, and Gods on Google Video, where it received 270,000 views in nine months. In 1996, Ali completed a master's degree in French language and literature at the University of Toronto. In September of 99, he answered a call and opened a center to minister to urbanites through martial and healing arts, as well as spiritual studies for seekers. He's studied, he's a black belt in Kung Fu and has been training since 1991. His research into UFOs has inspired him to write a work of fiction, which is in progress, as well as a second documentary on the rise of the Antichrist titled Goliath Rising, Hybrids, Nephilim, and Titans. Ali Siadatan, welcome back to The uh, Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me, Richard. It's a pleasure. Before we get rolling uh, on the content, uh, let's give folks just the, uh, the, the the important details about this upcoming webinar. Give us the who, what, why, and where. Well, the webinar is called The Cosmic War, and it is tomorrow night, uh, June 8th, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and all you have to do is email me um, uh, through the website, thinkagainproductions.com. And I'll send you the link and the details. It's info at thinkagainproductions.com. You can go on the website, even watch the documentary if you have never seen it. It's free on the website to watch. And then you can email me through the website if you get intrigued and you want to do the webinar. I'm going to put all the pieces of the puzzle together and, and show how the whole thing you know, forms a single, single story. And so the actual... Webinar is is ninety minutes, sixty minutes uh, of your presentation, followed by thirty minutes of Q and A. Exactly. All right, and this will be done via Zoom, I'm guessing. Yes, it's a Zoom webinar. It gives us a chance to connect. You know, I can see the people uh, who who are who are participating, and I, I always enjoy that interaction. Uh, so I'll be talking for sixty minutes about this cosmic tale, and then uh, the last 30 minutes is people's questions and comments, uh, and it's done through Zoom. So I send you the Zoom link, and all you have to do is just click on it, and at 8 p.m. the whole thing starts, and you're ready to go. So email all right, and to so the website, thinkagainproductions.com, all one word. All right, and, and people can join up, but then, and hopefully afterwards they'll, they'll uh, give a donation. That would be much appreciated. You know, I... Um, 
I was asked by my Bible study group, which meets these days on Zoom, of course, every Tuesday. And I was asked several months ago before we were quarantined to present um, a, a PowerPoint to the uh, to the study group on on the UFO ET phenomenon. And I wasn't presenting it from a, from a biblical perspective. I was simply giving them kind of a nuts and bolts a documentation of sightings, the history of the modern-day phenomenon, government documents, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. And, you know, quite honestly, I was met with a lot of blank stares. Uh, I think it was new information to most people, which is not that surprising, because a lot of Bible-believing Christians simply don't see how these incursions of these fantastic flying contraptions perhaps piloted by advanced alien civilizations, how that could possibly fit into the biblical narrative. And then, on the other side, you have people who who follow the UFO ET issue very closely, many of whom believe in the ancient alien theory, that is, that humankind was seeded here on Earth by uh, aliens. Uh, They don't necessarily even believe in a god, uh, or if they do, they certainly believe that these these ETs are are part of that creation. So you've got these two seemingly very divergent camps. How do you, what do you say to to both of them? Um, because you're you're basically talking about how UFOs, ETs, and biblical prophecy, how it all intersects. What do you say to both camps? Um, I think that uh, that's why I like to think of it as a puzzle, because there's a lot of pieces to a puzzle, and then they all have to be put together and shimmied in properly, and suddenly the image appears, you know, what the puzzle is, it gets solved. Um, There has always been accounts in, you know, the story of the Bible, starting with the book of Genesis and the story of, you know, Garden of Eden. All the way from there, there has been accounts in the Bible of something other than man. And usually the term that we use for them in Western culture is angels as an umbrella word. There are many, many terms in the Bible itself, but the word angels tends to be the umbrella term. And these guys, they do come to the earth, even in the Bible, like for instance, there's the chariots, you know, that uh, the Bible talks about, uh, the one that takes Elijah up, or Elijah is with his disciple Elisha. These are two prophets, and uh, Elisha is afraid of enemies, and uh, Elijah prays that God open the eyes of Elisha and see that the heavenly host, but it's described as chariots, that are all around them are more numerous than the ones the enemy has. Um, and you, one, you know, people even talk about the vision that this prophet has, Ezekiel, and you can see that in detail in our documentary that seems to be talking about something that is a vehicle, a chariot of some kind. And the word chariot itself in the Bible, actually, uh, the word properly translated is vehicle. The reason it was translated as chariot is because until recently there was no other vehicle uh, than chariot. So there was no point in saying vehicle, you know, chariot, vehicle, it was the same thing. But today we have cars, we have airplanes, we have even rocket ships, we have many different types of vehicles. We can go underwater. And so um, this is a phenomenon that spans the scriptures. And all the other cultures talk about, you know, these flying gods that come to them. Um, when it comes to the 20th century, these sightings continue, um, and, you know, we tend to see it from our secular point of view, so we call them 
uh, UFOs, like we don't know what they are, we're going to identify them at some point, or we see them through the Darwinian lens, like we evolved here, they evolved elsewhere, and they're an alien civilization. But the biblical perspective provides an overarching narrative that you know puts all of these gods of the nations, the modern-day phenomenon, the angels, it puts them all together and, and explains who they are, you know, puts them in a single tale. Um, why is there a confusion? Well, it's just because of the fragmented view we have. They both, aliens and angels, they come from someplace else. They visit the earth. They bring messages. Um, they come and go to the planet. As I said, in the Bible, there's chariots involved, and then uh, people in their sightings talk about these, you know, essentially ships. Why is it that people don't make the connection? Why is it that our mind says, well, this is one thing and this is the other? It's just because of the way my, our mind has been trained. When it comes to the biblical perspective, we have uh, seen the uh, paintings of Michelangelo and Raffaello and Dante and all of these you know, wonderful painters that are, whose paintings are in the museums of the Vatican. And they tend to present angels to us as these bird-like beings, essentially. Then we, we have this idea of things that are kind of ghostly and ethereal, and we connect that to the Bible. So our, the way we see the Bible is, is, is in that, from that training. Our mind has been trained and educated in that way. And the way that we see aliens is through the lens of science and cosmos and rocket ships. And so our mind naturally sees that as something different. But the biblical view of angels is a lot more like the UFO phenomenon, and the UFO phenomenon is not a modern phenomenon. It is spoken throughout the ages by all civilizations. So once you kind of start, you know, changing your perspective to be a little bit more aligned with the actual facts, then you start to see these two worlds collapse into one. Well, that's that's interesting because you're right. We we do tend to think of angels, the demons, or fallen angels inhabiting this spiritual realm um we, we talk about for example spiritual warfare uh for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world that's spiritual warfare right uh, and yet we have aliens we have uh well if you if you believe that that uh ufos have crashed and they have recovered bodies so we are talking about physical beings number one and we are talking about machines uh so you know how does one square spiritual beings first of all why would an angel uh whom whom we tend to think of as being sort of a, a little bit omniscient uh why would they require a machine technology to get from here to there um, they, these are great, you've made some, two great points here, the physical nature and then the idea of angels. Um, in the uh, biblical text, physical beings are highly spiritual. There is, for instance, you know, when God walks in the Garden of Eden or when he, God and two angels come and visit Abraham and they have a meal with him, uh, and even the Messiah, when he comes back from the dead, he's the most spiritual character of the biblical narrative, yet... He comes and he says, look, I am not a ghost. I have flesh and you know, bone. He says that. He asks, he says, you want to touch my wounds? Go ahead. He says, do you have any food? Give me some. And they give it to him and he eats it. So he really makes a, a clear point about the fact that the resurrected, you know, visible image of the incarnate God, like the, you know, the, the most spiritual character that in the Bible exists, 
comes back from the dead in a very physical way, which means I'm not done with the physical universe, which means there is more to come, folks, in the world uh, that you know, you're breathing air in and walking around in. I am not finished with this place, and so I need this body. Um, and then the angels, like the one that removes the tomb of Christ, he sits on it. Why would Scripture you know, put that precision that he sat on the tomb? Who really cares if he sat on the tomb? Unless God was already you know, looking ahead to this phenomenon of over-spiritualization, uh, of turning reality into, into kind of energy, and putting these clues in his Bible just to make sure that people you know, could understand, no, no, look, the angel sat on the tomb because he was a physical being. There is this idea that, oh, well, they just take this shape to walk among us, but that's not, in the Bible it doesn't say that. It's just people just assume that. So first of all, the, the angels are physical beings. God himself has taken a physical form. The universe is very vast, and, and there may be a lot more to this thing, but we can't omit the universe, and we can't omit the importance of God's creation. We can't diminish the physical nature of reality of God and angels. Then there is this idea that, uh, we have of angels, but they may be not the way we imagine it. When you look at to the past 2,000 years of Christianity, I noticed that there hadn't actually been a lot of focus on the study of angels. It was not really the most important thing for people. Look, going through the Middle Ages and the Crusades and the Reformation, and then, you know, the 20th century, that wasn't the most important pressing topic that people were going to sit and study. Oh, let's talk about the nature of angels. So, uh, there was a lot of kind of ideas adopted and just passed down uh, from one generation to the other. In the Bible, the angels are part of the physical creation of God. They are beings like us. They operate uh, inside of this incredible thing God has created. You know, like they come down, and it, it says that they have food, like the, the Israelites in the desert, they receive, we are told, angels' food. It says that, the food, they ate, ate, the food of angels. Um, we see that, for instance, the angels that come and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, they're commanded, they come, they destroy, there's smoke coming up from those cities. Um, that, that God's angels are working through the processes of the created order. They just know more about how this thing, you know, that we're all inside of actually functions. That's what makes them wiser. Uh, we have imagined that they are beings essentially of magic, that they wiggle their noses and things happen, that they snap their fingers and bada-boom. We have, in a way, imposed that on the world of angels, but Scripture presents them as beings that are, you know, in the creation and are functioning according to its uh, precepts. Now, when it comes to technology and the UFO crashes, and, you know, if this is of the angelic world, are we saying that the world of angels has technology? I think that, yes, that, that's what we're saying. At least that's what, you know, this research leads us to. If this is really the veil is removed and we're now seeing this massive phenomenon and we're saying this phenomenon is actually the angelic phenomenon of the Bible, good and evil. Uh, they both have access to these chariots and now we see some of these chariots and they seem to have, be technological, then yes, then I have to say that we are the children of God, uh, the angels are as well. We were already born into this massive story uh, as beings who are of the world of God and angels, and we do the things that the creatures of that world do. Perhaps the reason we have technology is because they have it too. 
And when you look at technology, what is technology? Technology is just organizing God's created order, God's the matter of the universe, according to a certain understanding, a certain knowledge. Like, the, uh, you know, so you have a blueprint, you stick reality together, and what comes out the, uh, the end is a technology. So that a tree is a technology, right? It helps you breathe. Even this body in which we function is a technology. Sure. It gives clothing to our souls. So but technology, that, but Ali, just, means you and I, technology you, just means matter organized. Okay, fair enough. But you and I, we believe in the Bible. Many people do not believe in the Bible. Right. So how do we argue or how would you approach the argument that you're simply looking at an actual extraterrestrial incursion through a biblical filter? Uh, in other words, the ancients... They thought they were they were dealing with gods. They thought they were dealing with angels, but they were simply dealing with an advanced race of extraterrestrials. I think um, if you think de- uh, deeply about uh, reality, you come to the conclusion that we don't really know anything. We don't know even where we are because we don't know where the universe is. Um, we don't know where the earth is. We don't even know where we are. That's how little we know. How did we get here? Who are we? These profoundly deep questions that are foundational, we don't really have the answers for them. So you can content yourself with just saying, I'm happy not to know, or you can pick a lens through which you're now going to divide up reality. So you can rely on the mind of you know, a British thinker, uh, Charles Darwin, and you know, his, his essentially uh, thing, uh, the students, and suddenly assume that that is Absolutely, these guys have nailed it. They've figured the, you know, this great mystery that we're in. They've understood it. And based on that understanding, you can now even project forward that even in other worlds, this process of evolution has occurred, even though now you have no uh, evidence okay, for it. Okay, Ali, I've got to jump in here. We'll, we'll uh, pick it up on the other side and continue to delve into, well, what you're going to discuss on your upcoming webinar, which is uh, Monday, January the 8th at 8 p.m., The Cosmic Tale. Ali Siadatan stays with us on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Ali Siadatan from Think Again Productions, his groundbreaking documentary, UFOs, Angels and Gods, which came out, wow, 13 years ago. Hard to believe. Uh, He has a, a webinar coming up tomorrow night. Monday, June the 8th at 8 p.m. via Zoom. And uh, he'll be covering off a lot of these uh, topics that we're discussing tonight, or this this main topic, rather. That is, I suppose, uh, the, the intersection of the UFO ET phenomenon with the, the biblical narrative, biblical prophecy. Uh, and you can send him a request to join the webinar. Uh, you can email him at info, info at thinkagainproductions.com info at thinkagainproductions.com so before the break Ali I was asking you that how it's a little bit like that old logical fallacy arguing from authority so if you if you're arguing that the uh, UFO ET phenomenon can be explained um, 
through biblical scripture and 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 that the pilots of these crafts are in fact angels and fallen angels uh someone who doesn't believe in the bible could could just as easily argue well you're looking at this mistakenly through a biblical filter because the ancients simply didn't understand that they were dealing with advanced extraterrestrial civilizations they had technology they had power so naturally they would they would think that they were gods or angels uh so you were you were uh making that defense before the break go ahead um so if you see that life is a mystery you can kind of you know say well what lens am i going to use to understand life so you know darwinism is the is the idea that leads to this concept of aliens um and then before that also the idea of the heavens and the earth and god creates the host of the heavens and the host of the earth although the biblical concept of the heavens incorporates you know what we call the universe but it is not exactly the same as the universe so first you know this idea of the universe was introduced to our minds then the idea of the telescope was given to us and then darwin's theories came and in this ca- canopy the concept of aliens appeared uh, however um if you say okay i want i wonder if god exists i wonder if god has actually spoken to the human world and i wonder if those words have been kept so that you know when you're born in every generation you can actually consult it so that you understand what's going on who are you you know are there any clues given to this existence for you to to understand reality well the bible is a book where if you really take it seriously you start to see that it's historical accounts are very accurate um, the cities that it talks about existed the prophetic uh, aspect of the bible is very profound the future telling it takes time to kind of see it but really it all comes true most of the prophecies of the bible already fulfilled only a handful remain to be fulfilled so it has a lot of credibility as a document and finally when you consult god directly in your prayer life and especially if you do it through christ then God responds with his spirit. And that becomes really the proof, the seal, the sign of this new covenant when you receive that spirit and you realize, wow, this stuff is actually real. Then the book's authority becomes something that you can now rely on for understanding and divvying up the world. And inside of this book, there is a lot of account of these beings coming to the Jews and to the various nations. And as you follow the, 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 the breadcrumbs, it leads you into the 20th century. Except, you know, our secular veil has given a different name, but, you know, that particular line of thinking, I think, has weaker foundations than the Bible. It just it has a stronger foundation, I think. Since life is a mystery, you have to pick a lens through which you're going to look at it, right? Right, right. And how does the alien abduction phenomenon then jive with the biblical narrative? Throughout the, the heart of the alien abduction phenomenon is the creation of um, human-alien hybrids and their introduction into the culture. And this idea of hybrids is uh, mentioned in the book of Genesis where the sons of God come and they have children with the daughters of men and these children are called Nephilim which is translated as giants into English 
Um, and we also see this account in all of the civilizations. You know, the uh, demigods, they're called usually, the demigods of, Ch- of ancient China, of India, um, and uh, the titans, they're called in the Greek. And, and they exist in the Mesopotamian accounts of reality, of history, in, of Egypt. You know, once I was in Persopolis, the capital of the Persian Empire, and, you know, my father, who's passed away, was an architect, and we're walking, and he said to me, you know, these pillars, they would be hard to erect even today. And there was a man there, and he was a, a villager, I could tell from his clothing, that he had come from one of the villages around, and it was kind of a day off, and he brought his family to see the ruins. And I said to him, nearly jokingly, sir, uh, how do you think these pillars were erected? And he kind of took my question very seriously. He straightened his back. He straightened, you know, he uh, got himself ready to speak. And he said, well, there are ancient cuneiform writings. There are cuneiform tablets that we have here. And in them, it talks about giants who were champions. And they are the ones who built the, the city and erected the pillars for them. And I thought, wow. And there's lots of other writings we have from other places in the Middle East that talk about these things, uh, that, that these tribes of giants were hired by human tribes to shift the balance of power, like Goliath was hired by the Philistines to shift the balance of power in their direction. Um, and there's oral tradition, like from the island of Malta, where these great rocks are, 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 you know, are erected, that the Maltese have these oral traditions to this day that talk about the giants who built them. The native Indians have them. And so this idea of hybrids, has been a constant, like the UFO phenomenon itself, and it continues into the 20th century. And the Bible says, well, it's the sons of God who came and did this, and they have an agenda, and it explains what that agenda is. Some would even say the parable of wheat and tares uh, that Christ says actually is about the introduction of these tares, which are these, it says, you know, he says that the devil planted his seed in the garden, and that they became the tares, and God planted his seed. So the two seeds mingled throughout the ages are mentioned throughout Scripture and recorded in historical accounts by everybody. So the, the modern-day alien abduction phenomenon is then a fulfillment of a prophecy, uh, That's true. The, it is and, 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 fulfillment of a prophecy because it does say in the Bible when it introduces this phenomenon uh, in the book of Genesis uh, in chapter 6, it's the first time it mentions it, but it says it'll happen then and afterwards. And we see that, you know, when the Israelites come to take the land, you know, they send the 12 spies and they say, oh, we're too afraid to go in. Ten of them say that there's giants in the land. Then we see Goliath, you know, who is of the giants, and he fights King David, or David the boy, who, who becomes king eventually. Um, and then we see also Abraham even deals with these tribes of giants. And then when we come into the prophetic part of the scripture, it says that in the final empire of the world, the last empire, the one that will exist before the coming of Christ, the second coming, it says that they will mingle their seed with the seed of men, but it will not adhere, and the Hebrew masculine plural uh, pronoun is used for they, so it is like saying the he's will mingle their seed with the seed of men. This is in Daniel chapter 2, verse 42, around there. And so this commingling of seeds, which it talks about the, this last empire, and even says that there'll be kings coming from this commingling, that these guys will be... Uh, 
you know, re-emerging somehow. And then Jesus himself said, when asked about his second coming, in Matthew chapter 24, he said that it would be like the days of Noah. Um, and this is a concept in Hebrew thought, that all of the various ages that are mentioned in the Bible, they're there because they are essentially a pattern of future history. So you kind of look at the different ages that are in the Bible and say, which age are we in now? Which events of, uh, are going to unfold in our time? Well, the days of Noah and the days of Lot are mentioned as, as, as times that would be like the end times. And the days of Noah were the days where this massive commingling of seeds occurred. And this is what the purpose of the flood was. So we look at this uh, prophecy that this is going to happen in the last empire, and we say, well, are we in that last empire? And people look at various you know, signs of prophecy becoming to fruition on the stage of history. And then there is this one. Oh, there's going to be a commingling of seeds. It's going to be like the days of Noah. Is that really happening around us? And lo and behold, people as uh, renowned as Johnny Mack, the head of psychiatry from Harvard University, or David Jacobs from Temple University, have documented this massive worldwide phenomenon of people being abducted and alien-human hybrids being created in the millions throughout the nations today. All right, I've got to jump in here, Ali, and take another uh, time out. We'll come back. And uh, I want to ask you about the offspring of this uh, hybrid program back in the days of the, the, well, in biblical times. They were giants. Where are the giants today? We'll uh, pick up on that point. On the other side, Ali Siadatan, Think Again Productions. My name is Richard Serrett, and this is The Conspiracy Show. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Just a reminder, coming up at the top of the hour, open lines. So, get your questions and comments ready. Alicia Adetan stays with us. Think Again Productions and the webinar tomorrow night, Monday, June the 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern is called uh, the, um, Cosmic uh, the Cosmic Tale. The Cosmic Tale. And, uh, again, that's a 90-minute presentation, 60 minutes presentation with a 30-minute Q&A. And if you'd like to sign up for the webinar... Uh, just email uh, Ali at info at thinkagainproductions.com. Info at thinkagainproductions.com, and he'll send you the uh, the link for the uh, Zoom webinar, and uh, he will gladly take uh, donations. Now, uh, in the days of Noah, which you mentioned, or before in, uh, well, yes, in the days of Noah, you had these fallen angels commingling with the the daughters of men and the offspring, which we call Nephilim, were giants. So if this same thing is occurring today in the modern-day alien abduction phenomenon, why aren't there any giants? Because there's a different strategy at hand this time. What we're noticing is that deceit is a very important part of it 
um, when, uh, when Jesus was asked again to talk about his second coming, he began and closed his speech by the admonition, be aware that you not be deceived. So deception seems to be a key theme. I know you see it through the Internet, the social media, the fake news, etc. There's a lot of powerful tools to uh, cast thought veils over the culture. Um, so deceit is you know, uh, part of the agenda. And it's about infiltrating into the world and looking like you're hiding in plain sight and not being noticed until the time is there for you to be noticed. In the ancient world, they believed in the gods. They, these gods uh, were not mythical beings to our ancestors, and they had offsprings, and their offsprings formed the line of kings. Um, there are many documented ideas of kings uh, and lines of kings, you know, like the Durian culture of the Greeks, one of the main lines of, of you know, uh, the foundation of Greek society, um, the, the Spartans, you know, were the children uh, of Hercules, all of the uh, major towns in the Aegean coast, all founded by, you know, these uh, hybrids. This was all part of the history of, of these people. We may call it myth. They didn't. So for them, it was okay to have these giants among them, these champions, as they called them, because their worldview allowed for it. And these fallen angels who were posing as gods to our ancestors um, were playing off of that worldview. Today, it's a different reality, and the interaction that these beings have with us is more covert. Um, we now live in an age where the game, the name of the game has changed, where the Spirit of God has been thrown or you know, poured out over the nations in the past 2,000 years, and the worship of the polytheistic orders and the gods has collapsed, and the knowledge of the one God has been you know, shared with everyone, and God is kind of redeeming the race of man, which is in this massive cosmic tale, and that's the only way these stories make sense, is if we are part of a larger story. And so these beings now must operate differently in this new age of the Holy Spirit and in this new um, um, time that we live in. If we saw giants walking around us today, uh, and they were like the children of aliens, I don't know, we might just arrest them. Put them in prison <laughs> or try. Yeah, good luck with that. But but how how is it that they can they the the fallen angels? I mean, aren't there 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 are laws of nature uh, and the, God's laws that when when a fallen angel uh, intermingles or commingles rather with a human, the offspring is a giant. How is it that they can just change that as if by magic? Well, We're not going to produce giants anymore. Uh, you, know, you asked about the prophetic word. It says they shall mingle their seed with the seed of man. It actually says that in the Bible. And what we're seeing through the uh, modern-day abduction phenomenon is that when people are abducted, uh, semen is removed from men, and then it's placed, um, you know, it's mixed with alien DNA and put inside of the human female. The fetus is removed at, at the end of the first trimester. These uh, hybrids come to term, full term, inside of these, you know, rooms, and then DNA is removed from them, and the experiment is carried out three times until the final result looks very human. But it's more like a um, scientific way of creating these hybrids as opposed to what we see in the ancient world where it seems to have been just through, you know, uh, sexual relations between these fallen angels and men. And yes, fallen angels have bodies, 
and um, they are called the sons of God. They're not called fallen angels. Fallen angels is not a term that exists anywhere in the entire Bible. It's a term of Christian culture to capture an idea that seems to be in the Bible that a third of the heavenly host in this cosmic tale have mounted a rebellion uh, against, you know, uh, the Most High, and they have dragged us into that war. And so they are called the sons of God, and, and Adam is called the son of God. And so we and them seem to have common origins because we are both given the same title. And so it's okay, they can mingle with us, and yes, they can play science with us as well, and it seems that they're doing that, and that's how they're creating the modern-day hybrids. It's more of a scientific way of creating them in a laboratory rather than just through sexual relations, which seems to have produced uh, the ancient giants. And how many hybrids uh, are there? Are they they here now? Are they off-world somewhere, ready to to make some sort of an invasion? No, the latest research is that they're here now living in, you know, various neighborhoods and cities. How many there are, I don't know, uh, but there was an Epsis Reed survey done that showed that 3 to 4% of respondents in the United States uh, seem to, you know, say that they do get abducted. It's probably more around 5 to 6%. So, Okay, I've got to jump in here, Ali. We'll pick up on this on the other side. Ali Siadatan stays with us. One more segment. We'll open up the phone lines, questions and comments, 416-360-0740 or toll free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Open lines coming up at the top of the hour. And for those of you who've gathered in the YouTube live chat, get your questions and comments ready. And uh, my live stream producer, Ryan White, will relay those to me. And then we'll uh, I'll read those over the air and try to answer as many of those or read as many of your comments uh, t- as possible. A few moments remain with Ali Siadatan from Think Again Productions. Uh, Ali, uh, obviously we're, we're kind of skimming the surface, but what are some of the other main points you're going to be uh, addressing in your webinar tomorrow night? What other subjects? Um, well, you know, the, this is a story that spans the uh, centuries, thousands of years of history here. And when you put it all together, the gods, you know, of the various civilizations, um, the angels, uh, uh, the UFOs, the hybrids, when you put it all together, actually, from the biblical lens, it forms a single story, one story. It's like a movie. It's all the different parts of a single movie. And and I'm going to show how this movie comes together. It is the story of us, the world that we are living in, the world that's outside of our window. You know, uh, who were these uh, beings that posed as gods to the various civilizations and gave them the knowledge to build these temples and gave them this advanced mathematics and, you know, chose priest kings and gave the, the, the laws of various... You know, religions, and who were uh, the angels that came to the Jews, and how did how it all connect, and then what happened, and how did this story uh, move forward until it gets to the 20th century, and what do the prophecies say, where is it all going? Once you 
the, stop looking at this as different bodies of knowledge. Oh, these are angels, these are aliens, these are gods, this is a myth, this is a reality, this is the Bible, this is And you kind of remove all those different divisions and just look at it as one giant story. And these are all characters in that story. It becomes very sweet. It's very inspirational. It has a happy ending. The good guys are far more powerful than the bad guys. We are headed to far better days. There is a plan. To, there's meaning to life. And all of this comes to the surface. It's very uplifting. It's very inspiring. It's not dark. It's not scary. And these are just characters of the world we live in. And it's good to know who they are and how they fit. Uh, in the story, and that's what I'm going to expose, is the cosmic tale that binds all these elements together. Well, the, the alien abduction phenomenon is, well, some find that, uh, this is interesting, because some uh, alleged abductees talk about their abduction in very positive terms. I don't know if this is Stockholm Syndrome or what, but, uh, you know, they talk about being uh, taken aboard a ship and and uh, they're warned about the Earth's future and they're usually, it's like they're shown an, in, an in-flight movie about environmental degradation and they're told you've got to, you've got to take care of your planet and so forth. Uh, and then, of course, you have others who describe an absolutely horrific ordeal being poked and prodded and operated upon and so forth so why these two different accounts is 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 the the more positive account exception or is that an angelic account some people uh like it and some people don't i'd say that the abductees fall within three categories those who call themselves abductees and these are the people who don't like it they feel violated those who call themselves uh, contactees, they are, on the other hand, feel they're chosen and they are bringing a message, you know, to this new world. They like it. And then there's the third category, which is the experiencers. They, they're neutral. They don't necessarily, you know, mind it or like it too much. They're just willing to experience it. Uh, it's something that's happening to them. And I think it's the reflection of a person's own mind and heart and spirit. Um, and yes, it's a very interesting phenomenon, and, and a lot of people ask me about it, but it's one piece of a much larger puzzle, and that's what I'm going to expose, is the larger puzzle that puts it all together and gives proper context to even this phenomenon. If there is this hybrid program going on, and some call it an alien-human hybrid, but you're calling it a uh, more of a d- demonic uh, or angelic human a hybrid program right if these hybrids are uh, ha- half human the other half is I'm going to use the term fallen angel if they're right. or demonic are they beyond salvation yes um, when you look at the Bible these hybrids are always destroyed there and there's even commands to go and kill these tribes they're never meant to exist uh, they, that was never part of the plan uh, of God's creation. When God created, the, you know, the squirrels and the roses and the apple trees um, and, and the humans and then and, and these angels, uh, billions. I mean, the, the, just the number is as large as the stars of heaven. The, it, it's a very populated uh, reality we're in. Actually, you know, we see. I know we see, feel very isolated and alone on this planet, thinking no one knows about us. Actually, we are very well known. And our destiny is central to the 
to the destiny of the entire cosmos. Um, and that's why God himself is involved on this planet in this story. Um, but these beings are not part of the story. They are uh, not supposed to exist. And so they are more an experiment because I think the fallen angels, they like to mix themselves to different houses of these principalities and powers that you talked about. They like to mix their uh, bloodlines into ours and create lines that are born of both and keep us in bondage under their rule and and continue their revolution into the heavens uh, past the second coming because they have ambitions of their own and this is part of their own ambitions and their own worldview but it's not part of God's so it's not going to last and do these hybrids do they play a role in the end times I think that there's a reason they're being created and there's a prophecy about about this Reemergence. Um, so yes, they must play a role, and, and there's a lot of effort going into it. What that role exactly is, it's not clear to me. What I can see is three things. One, I see that now there are bloodlines of kings and rulerships in high places that are of these beings, and that's you know part of the research of this new documentary. Um, then I see that there is a cultural infiltration, massive cultural infiltration, and, and when they're turned on and they're given their marching orders, they may influence the culture on behalf of the coming world leader, on behalf of the kind of world that creates a darkness into which the messages uh, of an alternative reality uh, than God's worldview can more easily be spoken into. And finally, I think that there's a war coming uh, on the valleys of Armageddon, north of Jerusalem. It says that you know, the world's going to go to war against the second coming of Christ, which can only happen if the world is deceived in seeing it as an alien invasion, I think. If he comes, like the scripture says, the Lord will come with his chariots. And so if he does come with his chariots, I think these guys may turn the whole thing around and say, oh, look, you know, we're the good guys. We're giving you knowledge. We're letting you do whatever you want, and we want to help you grow. But this is the guy who gave you religion, who gave you all these rules, and now he's coming to suppress you, you know. And so somehow the world will see him other than God in order to go to war with him, and these hybrids may also have a role in that war. So these are kind of the speculations I have. What, What is their exact role uh, I haven't found that in scripture yet, so I don't know. Are the are these hybrids active on the world stage today? So, for example, are they responsible for much of the strife in the world? Are they influencing governments and world leaders? Um, you know, that's that's a good question. Uh, I can only go with what the researchers on the field are collecting. And what the latest research is, is that they are essentially living among us. They have you know, social insurance numbers and social security numbers and driver's licenses and apartments, and they live in housing, uh, you know, uh, uh, units. Uh, they live among us. They, the, when people are abducted, they're not anymore taken into a spaceship. They, they, the abduction sequence happens on the Earth. They go to work with, with them. They, they are learning. They are learning. They are continuing to learn how it, what it means to be human, learning about music, learning about philosophy, about religion, about, you know, the stock market and, and financial world and medicine, just learning about the world uh, that we live in. That's the kind of latest research is that it's not about the creation of hybrids anymore. It's about their infiltration into the culture 
and they they're learning now as far as who are they influencing world leaders etc i think that the fallen angels themselves have directly been doing that for a long time um I okay i've got to wrap it up here uh, ali again uh the details for the webinar monday june go and look at the documentary and email me and i'll send you the zoom link and yes a donation is appreciated thinkagainproductions.com and uh, again that's Monday June the 8th at 8pm donations welcome email Ali at info at thinkagainproductions.com or go to the website you can contact him through thinkagainproductions.com and there you can also in preparation for the webinar you can watch his documentary stream it there on the website UFOs Angels and Gods Ali always a pleasure thank you so much my friend Thank you for having me, Richard. It was great. Thank you. Have a beautiful evening. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Open lines when we come back. 416-360-0740 in the GTA. Toll free from just about anywhere. 1-866-740-4740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room, with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Are you allowed to go to your cabin in the woods these days? Not sure. Hello to everyone listening in on our flagship station, AM 740 and 96.7 FM, Zoomer Radio here in Toronto. Hiya to all of those tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. And hey, you streaming us online at zoomerradio.ca and on the Zoomer Radio app. How do and how do to those of you uh, streaming us live on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, uh, and those of you gathered in the YouTube live chat, however and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Open lines for the entire hour and um, also I will be taking uh, questions from and comments from the YouTube live chat. And uh, Ryan, my live stream producer, will relay those to me, and then I'll read those out over the air. Uh, Perhaps you'd like to discuss the protests, the very peaceful and orderly uh, protests here in Toronto, I must say, this past weekend. Thank God uh, nobody got hurt. No businesses were ruined. Very harmonious. I'd have to say congratulations to everyone involved, both the, uh, the demonstrators and the police. That's the way it's done. Uh, Some important messages that needed to be sent, were sent. Hopefully they were received. I'm sure they were. Now the hard work begins. Uh, Tensions uh, seem to be easing significantly in the United States. I see where President Trump has given the order for the National Guard to begin withdrawing from Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, the mayors of a number of U.S. cities have Uh, announced plans to begin defunding their police departments or even in some cases dismantling their police departments. Uh, That, for example, is what's been announced in Minneapolis, where, of course, this unrest unrest began with uh, the death of George Floyd back on May 25th. Hard to believe, nearly two weeks ago. Uh, If 
you would like to talk about that. I, I, uh, I ask that you be civil and sensitive and responsible. That's not asking a lot. And if you don't know how to do that or you're not prepared to do that, then it's quite simple. Uh, don't call. If you'd like to talk about this interminable COVID-19 lockdown, I'm certainly game. At this point, can we all agree there is little justification for continuing the quarantine? How can how can our political leaders, our public health officials possibly expect the public to take them seriously at this point? In what world is it okay for thousands of people to flood the streets in protest or in the United States, as we witnessed a week ago, to riot and loot and, yes, peacefully protest. And yet, or to take a knee as a symbol, uh, yet I can't kneel in church. It's okay for the prime minister to defy his own government's orders. It's okay for him to wade out into the public, defy social distancing rules, while he's telling us the rest of us can't do that. We can't run our businesses. We can't return to normal. I guess it shouldn't surprise me that he says one thing and does another. He does that all the time, doesn't he? It's okay to kneel with thousands of people in the street, but I can't attend a church service and kneel um, in the United States. It's okay to smash into a building and steal a Louis Vuitton handbag or a television, but you can't sell them. You can't open your stores and sell them. It just, on the face of it, it's absolutely absurd. It just descends into a Monty Python sketch. Now, I'm not suggesting that people defy the orders from public health and our governments. I'm simply saying that any credibility, they being political leaders, public health officials, has gone out the door. Can we not all agree it's time to move on? 416 360 0740 416-360-0740 in the greater Toronto area and toll free from out of town and just about anywhere. 1-866-740-4740. Uh, I'm going to, let's see, I'm going to go to our, our YouTube channel, our YouTube chat, first of all. And uh, our good friend Thinker, who joins us every week, hello Thinker and thank you, he asks, I'd like to know what I think about all the earthquakes and volcanoes going off and the meteor showers. 400 meteors uh, hit the earth on Thursday. Um, well, I, what do I think about it? I suppose on the one hand you could say, wow, it's biblical, but I, I don't know, isn't it? Is it? There is a lot of volcanic activity. Um there's a lot of undersea volcanic activity. There's a lot of undersea uh, volcanic activity in the Antarctic, uh, which certainly explains 
melting ice and so forth. Uh, are there more earthquakes than, or, than normal? I don't know. We often hear about, for example, all this extreme weather that we're having. Uh, but as it turns out, if you look at it historically, we're not. We're not. It's right in line with what has gone on. Um, you know, hotter temperatures actually in the 1930s were much hotter than it has been here today, these days. So I don't know that we're getting more earthquakes. I could be wrong about that. Um, and I suppose if you are thinking that you could be, uh, it's understandable that you're thinking this is all somewhat prophetic. <laughs> Just look around what's going on these days. It all seems very biblical, doesn't it? Very prophetic. Thank or thank you for that. Melanie joins us once again from Toronto. Hello, Melanie. Hello, Richard. Hi. You want to talk about what we were talking about in hour one, I understand. Yes, yes. with Ali. Too bad he, he left uh, the show. Uh, yes, I want to touch on the subject of hybridization and how that relates to Yeshua or Jesus or Isa. Um, okay. Because he was, uh, in, you know, I mean, the Blessed Mary, right? She was inseminated by Gabriel. Yeah. So well, no, she wasn't. Not hybrid. not by Gabriel. She wasn't inseminated no, by no, Gabriel. No, he came and he told her. He announced it. Yes, that's correct. That's right. And then uh, Blessed Mary was became pregnant um, yes. without having any relationship with uh, Joseph. Right. So he was a hybrid. Well, I, I suppose technically that's correct. His mother right. was fully human, and his his father is divine. Yes. yes. And, he, and then all those, um, you know, miracles that he did, right? right? That only only those people who who are who are mixed, the feed was mixed, was able to do. Right. Right. But what about um, uh, Melanie? What about the modern day UFO phenomenon? Do you think that what we are witnessing is incursions from the angelic realm, or do you yes. think they're extraterrestrial? Both. I think they're both the same because I've I've um, seen them. Okay, you've seen you've seen a UFO. Well, not just UFOs. The the angels, ETs, whatever you want to call it, aliens. And I well, whatever I want to call it. What do you call them? What do you think they are? Are they are they aliens or are they angels? Both. They're and both. We call aliens. Uh, in my view, what I understand um, that it, it's actually the angels. They're both. Well, but aliens means, as an extraterrestrial, means that they are from another planet. Yes. Within, you know, within the the, the known universe. Whereas an angel, they don't come from other planets. They they come from. An angelic realm, right? Another dimension. So they're they're really apples and oranges. Not really. No. The universe uh, is within a universe within a universe, and and we don't understand that. I don't think we ever understand that what is visible and what is not visible. But but everything leads to one point, which is the ancient one of everything. And how can you understand that? You see? How can I? Okay. Melanie, I thank you for your call. Uh, to me, um, 
um, I, I, I do see them as separate. I see extraterrestrials as, as coming from, obviously, another planet. They're another civilization. They would be, I suppose, part of God's creation, uh, except that an incursion from another planet doesn't make sense to me from a biblical perspective. Perhaps it does to you, Melanie, and uh, I just I simply don't understand that. Uh, but um, if we're talking about the angelic realm, to me that's interdimensional. Maybe I'm putting too fine a point on it. I don't know. But I think there's a big difference between an interdimensional and an, an extraterrestrial. Uh, but thank you for the call nonetheless, Melanie. Great to hear from you. Uh, let's go back to the uh, YouTube live chat. And you betcha, I love these handles, you betcha, asks, um, how do I think people will look at the economic shutdown response to COVID in 50 or 100 years from now? Uh, I don't think it's going to take 50 or 100 years for us to come to the conclusion that it it might possibly be one of the biggest mistakes we've ever made. However, uh, that's what I would have said up to a couple of um, days ago. And then we had these incredible job numbers that came out of the United States, if they're to be believed. Uh, you know, sometimes the Labor Department can um, can play uh, play games with the numbers. They can game the numbers. But the job numbers for May two and a half million jobs in the United States created. It's it's almost unimaginable. Um, if that trend continues, then this may be the shortest recession in history. Uh, if it doesn't, uh, and it, it was a blip, uh, and there is a prolonged, and, it, and we've done some, long-term structural damage to the economy, then I would say uh, it, it, may, it may prove to be one of the greatest mistakes we've ever made. And I've, I've said this since mid-March, late March, when I was firing off letters to MPPs and anyone who would listen, that it was time to Think about an exit strategy and form an economic task force and figure out, again, back in March, how can we start at that time? How can we start to open up the economy? And my my rationale was if so-called essential services, remember, the mail was still getting delivered, banks were still open, drug stores were still open, grocery stores were still opening. They were figuring out, they had figured out how to mitigate risk, how to protect their their employees, how to protect customers. If they could figure it out, most businesses could figure it out. And um, I was in favor at that point of, of figuring it out and, and opening things up. Uh, because I have yet to see any solid data to suggest that a widespread quarantine versus a centralized quarantine. Centralized meaning you you protect the most vulnerable. Okay, so you do maybe for a time you close down schools, you limit travel. That's a centralized quarantine. These have been historically 
uh, demonstrated to work. But a widespread quarantine, this self-inflicted wound, this self-induced coma that we've placed ourselves in, um, it's, I don't have to, to prove that, it, that, a, that a, uh, a widespread quarantine doesn't work. It's up, to, it's up to the scientists to prove that it does work. And I have yet to see any modeling or data to suggest that it does work. And so time will tell. In the next few months, if the job numbers continue to be good, then I think we have dodged a bullet here. Uh, if it's a blip and there is long-term structural damage that could last a decade... And I've heard some doom and gloom types say that. I hope they're wrong. Uh, then we will regret it almost immediately, I think. It won't take 50 to 100 years. Uh, let's see. Uh, Weiwei Anella asks, should Trump fire Mark Esper for defiance of orders and sedition? Um, oh, this, this has to do, I, I'm guessing, with... Um, Esper and uh, I, I think Pompeo also were in on the discussion, if I'm not mistaken. Why? Why? At, at, at a certain point, Trump was thinking about bringing in the army, like the 101st Airborne and so forth. Uh, there were certain states that uh, refused to call in the National Guard. And, uh, and apparently Trump had suggested this and he was basically talked in off the ledge, as it were. Uh, by uh, by his defense secretary, uh, if that's what you're referring to, that's not sedition. Uh, that's the kind of discussions that that um, you know presidents have in cabinet, uh, and they have to you know they have to take their advice or heed their advice or ignore their advice. But obviously, he heeded their advice. But if there's something else there that I missed, please tell me. Um, I know his former defense secretary Mattis is certainly sowing the seeds of, di of division. And um, that's kind of unprecedented. There's an awful lot of that happening during the Trump administration. Former advisors, former cabinet members. Uh, remember, you, you serve at the pleasure of the president, and the president can hire and fire as he sees fit. Um, and the idea that, you know, once you're on the outside and, and you have a, an axe to grind that you're going to start uh, uh, criticizing and running to the media and telling tales out of school, as it were, that's not that's not on. That's not uh, uh, the way it should be done. Uh, Tom from Long Island. Welcome. How are you, my friend? Richard, I'm OK. Can you hear me? I can. Great. So, um you know, being down here on Long Island, just outside of New York City, it, it it just amazes me how fast we have pivoted from being, you know, COVID-19 to now the protest. And that is what you see every night on the news down here. And, and even, you know, a week ago, I was watching people break into Herald Square, Macy's, which is you know just the middle of Manhattan, right? Just just looting and all of that, all of that going on. And and I watch this, and I hear people say, you know, defund the police, 
right? And, and, and I'm open-minded. I listen to your show, I'm open-minded, of course. But I, I struggle to understand what people mean by defund the police. I read a little bit, and, and I can understand maybe reallocating some funds to some different things. But today I read in, you know, in Minneapolis where they're literally trying to abolish the police. And I just, are we just going so fast with this that we're not really thinking what we're doing? Like, I don't understand completely abolishing the police. Do you? Nor do I. No. No, I know that in Minneapolis, the um, the city council there uh, said that they are talking about defunding and dismantling. Uh, And I, I, like you, I don't know what that means either. Exactly. Um, If they want to reallocate, I'm all for that because we have asked here in Canada as well. uh, And I'm sure in many forces in the United States, police forces, we've asked the police to do too many things. Uh, They're not they're not just uh, investigating homicides anymore. Now they are if there's a. uh, someone went with with mental health issues in the middle of the street, uh, yelling and screaming and causing a disturbance. We call the police. Is the police officer best suited for that role? Maybe not. Maybe it's time to rethink that because, unfortunately, that often ends tragically, as we've as we've seen recently in, in New Brunswick. Uh, when when um, I don't know, there's a dog on the loose. Uh, we call the police. Uh, used to be, you know, when when someone was truant from school, we called the police. Uh, it, th- we need to redefine what police do. If that means dismantling it or reinventing it, then that's fine. Uh, I think that there are police forces that have uh, bloated budgets, a lot of money paid in in. Um, you know, uh, um, overtime, um, when they're asked to, uh, I guess, you know, babysit a construction site or something like that. Uh, there's a lot of money spent in overtime. I see a lot of resources uh, in, in traffic control and uh, writing tickets for, you know, people trying to get their kids to soccer practice on time. I think we could we could reinvest and reallocate funds uh, if that means a partial defund where appropriate, maybe reinvent police. I think that's what we need to do. Thank you for the call. Back with more of your calls in a moment. The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. And I am coming to you from my little studio beneath the stairs here in Old Thornhill, just north of Toronto. And uh, we are in the, the midst of open lines. Uh, Solar Warden, I love that name. Solar Warden, I think. Are you new to the uh, the YouTube chat? I haven't heard Solar Warden, uh, that name before. Uh, wants to know my take on the bricks that were conveniently left 
at major protest sites. Coincidence, Solar Warden asks his or her. I'm not sure if Solar Warden is a him or a her. My gut says no way. Uh, well, I was um, I was watching um, an interesting posting on Facebook today uh, here in Toronto, uh, and a number of um, or a gentleman had video was videotaping several police officers piling rocks on the sidewalk and uh, he confronted them he was holding his camera and he confronted them he said what are you doing why are you leaving rocks there on the sidewalk it's tempting for 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 demonstrators or protesters to pick those rocks up and throw it what's going on here and the police explained to this uh, gentleman that they were going through the um, the gardens and so forth that lined the streets, and um, they were instructed to remove any such objects, pile them on the sidewalk, at which point they would call the city, and they would come by and pick them up. Now, the man holding the camera wasn't buying that. He said, now, wait a second. I work for the city. That's not your responsibility, which certainly was my first thought. Why are there police picking up stones out of gardens and, and large rocks and piling them on the sidewalk? It did, at first blush, look very, very suspicious. I thought, wait a minute, what's going on here? Why are the police leaving these stones? Uh, and then what happened was the, uh, the gentleman, after he confronted the police in a respectful way, uh, he, um, he he got some of uh, his other protesters, or they looked like protesters. They had some rolled up, looked like signage, uh, strapped across their back. And they, they picked up the stones and um, proceeded them to place them in garbage bins. So uh, then I was reading an, an article uh, online, a CBC article online, and it turns out the CBC saw the same Facebook post. They called the police and the police reiterated that, yes, the police, uh, the foot patrol were instructed to to find rocks along the, um, the protest routes, make piles, call the city in and have those rocks hauled away. So did it look suspicious at first? Yes. Does the explanation make sense? Sort of. It is bizarre to me that you would have police take on that role. Just a few minutes ago, I was talking about how uh, rather than, you know, defund and dismantle our police, we we need to reinvent them uh, and and get them back to serious police work. Uh, could they not have had some other city workers combing the gardens and so forth, looking for rocks? And piling them into trucks and driving away, it did seem odd. However, I have to say that I, uh, at this point, I accept the explanation from the police department. Um, now, regarding bricks, there were a number of pallets of bricks in and around Toronto. Those were also investigated, and most of those, from what I understand, were found at construction sites where you would expect to find pallets of bricks. In the United States, however, uh, in, in Kansas City, for
for uh, in in uh, an entertainment district of Kansas City called Westport, where I've been. Uh, the police there were reporting that there were pallets of bricks left in places where they ought not to have been. They weren't construction sites. Uh, so, to my mind, those were there placed there conveniently by. Uh, whether it was Antifa or some other anarchist group, I don't know. But that that is going on, where it was going on. As I say, things seem to have settled down. Um, in the United States, those bricks, by and large, not an accident. There is certainly, there was evidence of some underlying coordination going on. Whether it's Antifa, uh Plus some other anarchist groups. I suspect yes, but we are being promised by the Department of Justice and the FBI that there is evidence and it's forthcoming. We shall see. Uh, another Melanie from Toronto wants to talk about the protests. Hello, Melanie. Hi, Welcome. Hi. It was interesting to hear my name. I used to never hear my name when I was younger. Nobody had that name, so uh, I'd like to say that very nice name. But anyways, <laughs> to, to be serious, thank you for taking my call. Um, if you give me just a moment to gather my thoughts. Um, it, the police have known, and the government and the city have known, and the police board meeting have known, which I've attended the police board meetings. And if you go into the police board meetings, I don't know if you've ever been there on College Street when they hold them once a month. The room is designed in such a way that when, let's say, there's a deputation made by a, a civilian or someone who is mistreated by the police, you only have the camera showing the deputant who's uh, speaking, but you don't see the reaction of the uh, police board members. And we've watched them multiple times, and there is so little interest. Most of them are on their cell phones, uh, or they're uh, laughing to each other, or they're reading pat papers or documents. Rarely do they give it. It's like they're going through the motions, but not listening. And there were so many passionate speeches by a man who was in the Canadian Army, a black man who was speaking of how him and his son are being treated. I was watching them. My friends, we were stunned at, at, at the dis, uh, disrespect that was shown. They didn't want to hear it. But you know who this harms the most? These protests and all these things? It's harming when the police don't do their job. That What they are doing is they're disrespecting their own good police officers, the ones that laid their lives down for us, who protected us, of course, who were there of to take the bullet for, for other people. And so when the police chief and our police board and our mayor do nothing to change that, and I've spoken at the police board meetings where they covered up for my neighbor, a police officer, went to court, there was a state of... Right, I don't want, I know, you spoke about that the last week and, and, yes. and many other times before, That's, I don't want to get into your yeah. case, but well, point taken, it. Melanie, and I, we have to make, obviously, again, a distinction between police board members who are appointees and the, uh, you know, the, the cop on the beat. Um, and you know, to me, and I I'm not going to sit here and, and, and tell you that there isn't racism. There are racists in Canada. Do I think that this is uh, a racist country, that we are defined by our racism, or that the United States uh, is defined by its racism, that racism is in its DNA, as President Obama wants it? No, I don't think that. Having said that, I'm not going to tell someone of whatever color, what their experience has been and how they should feel and whether or not they have been um, 
uh, uh, hurt or or uh, been the the victim of racism. I, I would never do that. Of course, there are racists uh, in in every every corner, every walk of of, of life. Uh, but we are not defined by our racism, and the police department, I do not believe, uh, are defined by the racism. To me, um, and it, the other thing is, in the absence of of crime stats um, based on race, it's it's difficult. We're kind of working blind here. They do collect them, for example, in Toronto, but it's very difficult to get them. Um, they know what the crime stats are, but we don't. And so it's difficult to talk about a problem if you don't have the data available. Uh, so what, you're, what you end up talking about, um, it, it's anecdotal. And it's, it's based on a lot of emotion and, and uh, much of it justified, of course. But I think it would be helpful if we had crime stats. I know they do break it down and they publish crime stats based on neighborhoods. And, and from that, you can make maybe certain inferences. Uh, and I, and they, they publish crime stats uh, on race. They gather them at the, um, uh, the Department of Justice and the Washington Post, for example, has a crime data uh, database based on race. And the, the Toronto police feel that that would lead to racism if they were to publish those stats. I don't think so. I think if there, there is trouble in a, in a community, you need to have the data in order to address it. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're working blindly here. Uh, we will uh, we'll pick up on that point, and also I will entertain more of your calls, questions, and comments when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Um, I just wanted to pick up on some points I, I mentioned before the break. I was talking about, I think, why it would be helpful to have crime stats ba- broken down along racial lines. Um, so that we can figure out, for example, uh, we're, we're told that... Uh, in in Toronto, uh, uh, blacks are being shot by police in a in a disproportionate manner. Well, how do we know uh, disproportionate that it is disproportionate? We we don't know because we don't have the stats, or at least they're not published. How many interactions uh, police have with with blacks, uh, and how many of those obviously end tragically? So you know what I'm saying here. We need we need data in order to say or to figure out what's going on here. Now that's quite apart from the fact that we have some police brutality that's happening. Uh, if it happens once, that's once once too many. And and is that racial uh, or is that just a bad seed? You know there are. I've talked a lot about on uh, about psychopaths on this program and how I feel that. Psychopaths really run this world. The the rules of the game are are geared in favor of the psychopath. 
And you find psychopaths in every facet of society. Certainly, there are uh, psychopaths in politics. Uh, There are psychopaths who run the local PTA. There are psychopaths on the police department. Now, a psychopath on the PTA is going to be an incredible uh, nuisance. Uh, They're going to make life miserable for some people. But a psychopath that has a baton or a a, a taser or a police cruiser or a service revolver or a shotgun, obviously, uh, that's a bad mix. So, yes, there are psychopaths that somehow uh, manage to circumvent the vetting process and the psychological profiles because that's what psychopaths are able to do. They're psychopathic, they they, they have sociopathic tendencies, and they're able to present well. So they get past the vetting process, and they end up on the police force. And uh, they cause carnage, and tragedy, and grief. And they give police, in general, a bad name. Um... But I, I truly believe that if there is a government agency to whom black lives matter, it is the police. So again, not having data here in Canada, in the United States, back in the, in the mid-90s, I was not a, a huge fan of President Clinton, but and I'm not sure how much of this had to do with, with Bill Clinton. Maybe he gets all of the uh, accolades. Maybe he doesn't get any of the credit. But what happened in the mid-90s was there was this revolution in proactive policing uh, in the inner cities. Greater police presence, more cops on the beat, more community policing. And the result was that the inner city murder rate dropped significantly tens of thousands of lives were saved black lives and now that's all at risk because police are withdrawing from the inner cities they're told to stand down and that's not going to end well Because by and large, the greatest risk to blacks living in inner cities in the United States are not cops, it's crime. Uh, Let's see, uh, Art Bissid, I hope I pronounced that uh, correctly, Art Bissid. Uh, do you know about the arrest in Vancouver of Dan Dix from Press for Truth? Is standing up for what you believe in a sea of opponents really disturbing the peace? I do. I, I know Dan. I've, I, I've met Dan a number of occasions, uh, I, and I was not aware that he was arrested. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm not sure what the circumstances are um, for his arrest. Is standing up for what you believe in a sea of opponents really disturbing the peace? Um Well, sometimes the police have to make a quick judgment call. Sometimes it's for the protection of the person as well who is supposedly disturbing the peace. Of course, we had this 
um, young man who showed up at, I believe it was at Nathan Phillips Square, in blackface. He was sort of mimicking our uh, our prime minister. Not an appropriate venue. There's never an appropriate venue. Uh, but of all times and places, the police uh, quickly got that, that uh, young man out of there. Uh, we later learned, I believe, that he suffered from some mental illness, and he actually was not aware entirely of what he was doing. He somehow, in his mind, he thought he was helping. Don't ask me how. Um, however, so the police got him out of there. I think originally he was arrested. Uh, and it's it's a good thing they got him out of there. It could have ended it could have ended tragically. So I don't know the particulars of of what happened to Dan Dix. Uh, I'll look into that. Um, standing up for what he believes in a sea of opponents. Not sure exactly what what that means. Uh, let's see, Trish. Oh, Trish is in Vancouver. She wants to talk about UFOs. Trish, hold on. I will get to you right after this. 416-360-0740. And toll free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. If you enjoy this radio program, The Conspiracy Show, I think you'll enjoy my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, and new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com where you can subscribe and listen. Again, new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, And you can also become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member and uh, for a mere $1.99 a month you get access to my entire back catalog uh, which is now around 370 episodes. Uh, You get access to those, plus two brand-new commercial-free bonus episodes every month. So go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and then click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Uh, Someone before the break was asking about uh, documentary filmmaker Dan Dix, and um, uh, I know Dan a little bit. I haven't really talked to him since he moved out to Vancouver. Uh, but he's uh, produced, I think he's done some pretty interesting work. He's um, considered an, an investigative journalist and a documentary filmmaker. And uh, someone asked if I knew he had been arrested. And I'm just reading uh, here on the Georgia Strait online uh, version of their paper. A critic of COVID-19 distancing and George Floyd Memorial, Dan Dix, out of jail after being arrested in Vancouver. And... Um, uh, let's see, that was June the 5th. So a couple of days ago, he was arrested. Um, let's see, he um, was praising a small group of demonstrators who gathered outside Vancouver City Hall to protest COVID-19 induced lockdown orders. And it says here he's upset some civil rights activists by condemning a memorial for George Floyd. 
the 46-year-old African-American who died last month at the hands of Minneapolis police. Uh, Dan Dix thinks that if people can show up for events honoring Floyd, others should be allowed to attend funerals of their loved ones. Well, I agree 100%. As I mentioned earlier, all logic, all rationale for continuing the quarantine after the protests has gone out the window. Um, so he, he certainly shouldn't have been arrested for that. And I, I, I'll be honest, I was rather disappointed that our premier, uh, Doug Ford, uh, referred to uh, protesters who showed up at Queen's Park demanding an end to the lockdown as a bunch of yahoos, I think was the term he used. Uh, and, and here we are now with um, uh, protesters who, again, um, did a wonderful job. I think the uh, the chief of police uh, referred to them as ambassadors of peace. I would concur. I was um, absolutely delighted with uh, how the protests and the demonstrations uh, went here in Toronto. But if that is allowed, if thousands of people uh, could go out and, and grieve for George Floyd and show support for his family, then that's fine. But you cannot have any credibility and say that you can do this, but you can't do the same thing over here. It makes no sense. There's no logic behind that. So uh, Dan Dix obviously took umbrage with that. And uh, he was arrested at a large anti-racism rally at Jack Pool Plaza after live streaming the event for more than three hours. And some of those attending the demonstration didn't appreciate him being there. Uh, so it sounds like perhaps he may have been taken away maybe for his own protection, although he was arrested. I don't know if he did any time in jail. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's a conviction there. I'll tell you one thing. I'd like to know where all our various civil liberties associations are at this point. Um, because if if I were fined uh, for gathering at some place and not practicing social distancing, you know what my defense would be? A picture of our prime minister taking a knee amidst thousands of protesters not practicing social distancing. I think that's all the defense you need. So I hope uh, Dan Dix uh, gets a, um, a lawyer who's, who's going to work uh, for free, pro bono. I hope someone from the British Columbia Civil Rights or Civil Liberties Association, I don't know what they have out there, but they, they need to step up because that's not right. Our liberties have been trampled upon. There's no question about it. And we acquiesce. We say, all right, we'll put our liberty, liberties temporarily on the shelf over here for the greater good. But that's been taken advantage of quite clearly. And we've been pushed around and we've been, in some cases, we've been fed a pile of manure. And the story keeps changing. Masks don't help. Wear masks. Wear masks if you want to. You must wear a mask. Uh, let's hope Dan Dix gets out of jail 
or no, he is out of jail. But let's see. Let's hope he uh, he gets some justice because that's that's not right. Based on what I'm I'm reading here, based on this article, uh, I wanted to go back to my point about um, police. Oh, we need to get to Trish. I'm sorry. Uh, Trish has been holding on. Uh, Trish in Vancouver. Hi. Did she hang up? Um, oh, there you are. Hi, Trish. Here I am. Here I am. Okay. Um, way back, this is so off topic from what you've been discussing, but I just want to say um, way back in 2016, um, it was July 15th. I was in my front yard. <clears throat> and I had gotten home from work, and I decided I was going to preen up the garden a little bit and get some of the deadheads off. And um, I finished doing that, and I came around the corner of the house, and um, something caught my eye. I don't know. It was. And I look up in the sky, and I saw a black triangle. And it was up there, but it wasn't too far. And... Um, I thought, somebody's flying a kite, and then I looked at it a little closer, and I thought, well, no, it's not shiny, because it's not flipping around. It's sort of steady, and it's matte black, and it turned into a wedge, and it just gone. And I'm looking around, and nobody's there to see it, of course, I, you know. So I got on the phone with my brother, and I said, you're not going to believe this, but I I just saw this, and I just don't know what to make of it. And he was so brilliant, he said, well, maybe it's just the time travelers checking in on us. And (laughs) we had a little bit of a laugh, you know. And But, um, you know, that was the year Trump was elected. And I think, you know, the higher intelligence, which I do believe is out there and is quite capable of reviewing us and rebuking us and setting us straight, but it, it, letting us have our own path. I mean, is this the kind of world we will it ourselves to each other? You know, the latest behavior, it would just say, look, guys, if we're in the middle of one crisis and and this horrible thing happens. Don't you think that maybe you're being mesmerized a little and, and instigated into absolute chaos because because government, governance doesn't want to take responsibility for our civil liberties and deliver us our services properly? Instead, they want to pick our pockets and, and conf- just make us confused and, and live off our adrenaline of hurt. And, and you know, it just... Um, I just think, you know, under the War Act, uh, that was when we had income tax. Now, you know, the, it's it's perpetual war, so they can have perpetual tax. And, and then they're sitting high on the hog on boats. It just, it really bothers me that that the state in the United States, the governance there, would, would use people's better angels against the people. Well, I'm not sure who's behind, uh, you know, promoting the violence that un- unfortunately uh, erased a lot of the good that was that should have come out of the unfortunate demise of, uh, of George Floyd. That was hijacked in some instances by, I believe, uh, anarchists and r- radical groups like Antifa uh, and and. Um, I think of retired police captain David Dorn, an African-American, 77 years old, shot dead for trying to stop some looters. Um, And all of the businesses that were destroyed and other um, innocent lives that were killed. 
during the protests, during the riots in the United States. That's, uh, that's, if that's the legacy, uh, then it was a complete failure. The peaceful protests that we saw up here, that's what we need to see more of. Uh, thank you for the call and uh, for all of your calls tonight. Great speaking with you all. I'll be back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops, move over Aphrodite, I'm coming home, or at least up the stairs. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.